the Narrative Live After Show. Reviewing the week's news in a spirited sort of way. Now, please welcome tonight's guests and your host, Sarah Shalom. Look at it, Tom's applause now. It's pretty nice. Because you deserve it. You deserve to get some candid applause. Hello, Eric Garland and Rachel Bittercoffer. How are you guys? Because uh, it's such good tunes. Um, Rachel Bittercoffer of the Strike Pack. How are you tonight? I am just friday Riffic. You've been to Austin recently. I have. I have been to Austin. Well, I'll tell you all about that and what else I've been up to. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to hear all about it. And hello, Eric Garland. What have you been up to since we last saw you? Uh, playing bass and um, tracking the, uh, the the statistics of the size and cost of yachts that uh, Russian oligarchs lost this week. So that's I'm excited about the yacht seizures. It's hard to say sometimes, but I'm excited about them. I'm excited about them. I think there's some potential there for that money to be redistributed to some people who might need it, like people in Ukraine. A lovely shot in Florida. Lovely yeah, shot. In yes, it is very nice. Um, but, you know, speaking of like the people who need to repay some debts in the world, I'm going to throw up this picture. You know, these guys, they were voting <laughs> to basically suspend the current trade relationship with Russia, which seems like a sensible thing to do in the middle of a war and war crime and what have you. But the gang of eight, as I now call them, who seem to do anything that Putin wants them to do, actually managed to vote against changing this trade relationship, which is just kind of horrific. Um, it's the usual suspects, you know, the Matt Gateses and Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, the uh, Lauren Bobarts and and um, what's the guy, Madison Cawthorn, all of whom seem to have some interesting you know, backstories. And it seems to me that people may have forgotten, and maybe it's worth reminding them, that the uh, GOP is basically a Russian funded entity. You know, so when you're, if you're voting for the GOP, you're voting for a lot of Russian money in the American political system as I think it was you, Eric Garland, who may have told the world first about this, maybe in, uh, in 2016. It was your uh, Twitter post that first illuminated the fact to the world that, you know, maybe the GOP is not so uh, fully American. Well, hold on. I, I was about um, both sides had uh, propaganda aimed at them and that Russia has intelligence services that love to do that kind of thing. I still had a lot to learn about the funding. Like, I absolutely didn't know what the NRA had taken in that many lifetime members from Russia, a country where you don't have gun rights. I thought that was delightful. I still had, in December 2016, I still had that to learn. So there was a lot to learn, but still you were one of the people who are out there in the forefront, you know, telling us that Putin's a danger to the world, telling us that Putin is trying to mess with American democracy. But it seems like there's some sort of collective amnesia going on in the minds of many voters in this country who still have not quite concluded that they can't be in favor of Ukraine in the war, but also in favor of the GOP, because those things are kind of like, they're, they're antithesis. I mean, they can't, you know, they don't fit into the same argument. You can't be pro-Putin by being pro-GOP and pro-Ukraine in the Ukrainian war. Can you? Uh, look, I've got, I've got some suspicions about the polling since the Senate, uh, you know, declared Putin a war criminal in the middle of this week, like this total about face. But I don't do polling. Rachel does. If uh, you know how this is polling, it seems like uh, the whole Ukraine thing is pretty popular. But kicking that, it does you. seem like it's it is. Rachel, I'm really tell us glad you're doing. mentioning that. I mean, I just saw some survey data today too, and it was framed in such a way as you know to highlight the bipartisanness of the Ukraine response. And it's, it is true. I mean, especially by today's standards, this is a kumbaya like moment, right? Mm. We're seeing Republicans and Democrats universally, pretty much universally w working together to, to really heavy hand. I mean, we've economically nuked Putin basically. Right. Basically. And so like you could look at that data and say, God, this is great. But the fact of the matter is, Zev, if you take it and put it into a broader context, it is way too low. Okay. What we should be seeing is a rally around the flag effect in the eighties, George W. Bush, even though he, you know, all the divisiveness of 2000 and the midterm was coming and it, like the recession was hitting, it was just a very terrible environment for him. But as soon as 9-11 happened, that first two weeks after, he was at 90%, dude. All right. And it, granted that we have not been attacked. We can't ignore the positivity that there is 
you know, only a slice of the Republican Party is publicly willing to like go and tow water for Putin, though a lot of its entertainment, you know, apparatuses. So that and that is good. But at the end of the day, this is not a Ron Paul all war and all foreign intervention protest vote coming out of these eight. This is a statement. This is a statement that verse democracy and autocracy, they're on team autocracy. And these are not inconsequential people. They're not the squad that have no actual influence in the party. They don't chair committees and have huge fundraising and grassroots reach. Like we're talking about this situation where eight Republicans have basically publicly declared for Putin now, and we hear nothing from the Republican leadership about it. There doesn't seem to be any appetite to take them on on this. And and it's a cancer. It's going to spread as the longer this invasion lasts and the longer right wing media has to shape public opinion. uh, You won't see a rally around the flag effect unless Tucker Carlson allows Republicans to root for them for America. And uh, it's dangerous. I think it's so important what you're saying, because basically, even though there are people in the Republican Party that are, you know, Ben Sass is one of them who are so pro-Ukraine, you can't stomach it even. But the reality of it is they've not changed. They are still the same GOP. I mean, here's Madison Cawthorn, who came late to the Zelensky address. Some things you can be late to, maybe not the Zelensky address. He comes in, he calls Zelensky a thug. And then he says emotions should never guide our foreign policy after missing half of Zelensky's speech. I mean, this is a guy who we still don't quite understand why he landed up going to St. Petersburg on a mystery trip to a casino and how he met his Russian Uh, wife. (laughs) Point point of order after Putin had uh, outlawed casinos. Right. I have to put it. <laughs> now law casinos in 2009. And I know that because he, uh, they, these guys are very tricky. They did, they distributed, they sold off all the, uh, the gaming equipment around the world to these various, um, Ooh. other, other people's casinos. And guess what? This is going to shock you, but that stuff was hackable. I know because some wow. of it ended up in St. Louis at the casinos here. We had oh. four Russian mob dudes who rolled in from Sunny Beach Isles, and it was a very slick operation. Most, um, you know how there's lights above slot machines and whatnot, beep, boop, yeah. boop, boop, keep you, your attention and whatnot, and then there's the reels that spin. Well, normally those are on two different computer processors that generate two different random numbers. The Russian ones that they sold off in 2009 only had one processor. So if you could see the light pattern, you're also getting an image of the randomness behind the reels. And so then they dispatched teams out to go observe. They would have one guy in a hotel room and they'd have somebody film it and they would uh, scan it and they would figure out which machines were about to hit and they'd rip them off then. And, oh, they, and they had to outlaw gambling in 2009 to distribute that equipment around the world. Addison Carvin says that he just happened across, he like went snorkeling from Estonia he was, over he was on to, a ship to St. Sweden Petersburg, with the casino back. that had been outlawed and just happened to meet a girl. I did look this up. There are uh, ferry rides from, uh, I think it was Sweden that he was vacationing in. And you, there are ferry rides from there to St. Petersburg. I mean, they take it overnight. You have to spend like a whole night. And they apparently went for the weekend. So, um, you know, it's a long way to go just to play a game of well, cards. Well, you mean one doesn't just end up in Russia? Yeah. And then he, and then he lands up with a... Making out with a chick at a, at a casino that's been outlawed. And yeah. it's an American... And if you are going to end up in Russia, like say for an incidental basketball game yeah. for say do not take pot with you okay it's yeah. russia <laughs> god knows what he took with carrying him. on one of those trips well yeah, he yeah, met there's, a, there's a big headline zeb why don't you fill in no you go you go ahead and tell everyone okay but there's a there, it's a big headline all week there's a wnba star who was oh. uh, stopped coming out of russia and she had what oh, she all she had was a vape so like she's probably in california or whatever and you just there's pot everywhere and it's you know you for for sake people don't forget like russia florida texas those are third world countries you don't want to take a vape there well but they've got no judicial system right you don't really want to be going to russia if you're an american anyhow Dude, except if you're madison Cawthorn. In, yeah in the case drug you do- laws in some of these authoritarian like i mean not even necessarily authoritarian places like thailand are so strict you're looking at like 20 years. <laughs> so never, ever, ever take drugs internationally. But you could get that easily idea. caught up in a legal case there, as I think she does. You know, I think the reason she's in jail has got a lot more to do with the war than anything else. I mean, it's not. No, I actually tell you what, I think it's the opposite. I think if she, they are like so zero tolerance about drugs 
Remember the kid in that Russia? got... Uh, Russia loves drugs. They're like they're mob state. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, not for the people, though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I think they do. I think there's a, they love their... Uh, don't, isn't that where they make a lot of drugs? I feel like the Russian mob are involved in those kinds of things. Gambling and drugs. I feel like that's the... That's kind of stuff they do. I don't know. But no, this is hashish. This is like vapes with a little bit of weed in it. I think it's legal. Not in, in Thailand. Not or, in Thailand. You know, some of these other countries, like a little vape, a little vape, guys, <laughs> could be 15 years in, in like a third world country prison. So do not do that because you live in a liberal democracy. And you now don't want to go elsewhere. Yeah. Returning to Madison Cawthorn, he got to Russia and picked up a friend who was a U.S. serviceman who was there to meet him at the casino, a uh, former U.S. serviceman. They became really good friends. And then a few months later, I believe, the said U.S. serviceman arranged a, there's an exercise of craze that everyone's crazy about. You lift very heavy things. It's called CrossFit. Uh, CrossFit. So anyhow, no. so he arranges a CrossFit event where it was engineered for Madison to meet his um, new Russian wife at this CrossFit event. So it was an entirely fake CrossFit event. Of course, he's in a wheelchair, so there's that too. But nevertheless, that's how he meets his new Russian wife. They get married for a year. He subsequently divorced after I think it occurred to him that maybe he was married to a Russian asset. I don't know. Um, and so, and maybe he still likes the Russians. I don't know. Uh, but it does seem to me that the whole GOP from Moscow Mitch on down, you know, this is the Republican QP. It's the G. Well, look at the, the tell with the sanction list, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. they list like 12 people, 15 people, and not one of them is a Republican. So that's kind of telling, don't you think? It's very telling. Now, the um, I'll show you something else. Remember this? You guys might remember this moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I'll never forget. <laughs> oh, my God. I want nothing. Oh my God. <laughs> I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. This is the final word from the president of the United States of America. Oh, oh those were good times. Such a good president. Can you imagine? Crazy shit, didn't we? Yes. And, we did. And we need to remind God. people that this is a bad thing to go back to. We do not want to go back to an era of Donald Trump and the Republicans running the country. They were yeah, terrible yeah. at it. They did an awful no, job. We can't go back to that. We can't <laughs> go back there. So you if know? there are people still, you know, having maybe ideas that they support the the GOP in any way, we need to stop that. We need to just, uh, I think That's someone right. said this week, it was a time for choosing, if I'm not mistaken. Who said yeah, that? Yeah. Because here's the thing, Zev, that you should understand about that thing that you just sent that me and Eric and you all reacted, and I'm sure the audience hi out there, everybody, yeah. um, reacted as well, is that like we could not use that on a direct mail or in an ad without a lot of context because almost nobody else in America even knows that happened. Right. Which thing are you talking about? The ad or the... Yeah, just the fact that Trump, the whole thing with the uh, quid pro quo through the oh, Zelensky yeah. Yeah, gate. Do you, you guys like remember that, what that was the about? Memo, like most people never watched any of the impeachment stuff. Yeah. They never sought any news or information about it and don't know any of the revelations. They don't know any of the shit like Giuliani's conversations in the restaurant right, with the ambassador, that. the shakedown there, like that kind of stuff. People, I think our folks just assume everyone knows this thing happened. And actually 80% of the population has no, at least 80 has no idea that that ever happened. What was this, Eric? Can you remind us what the quid pro quo was just so we remember? Well, and I'm not sure if that's a if that was a real uh you know if that that image was real or where that where that came from. But um that's I mean, a real thing. That's, 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 really that's real. That's so real. Eric, just so to help you, when Zelensky Gate was first breaking and then like the and Vinman it whistle blew, right? Mm. Like Trump had to come and give a statement, or he chose to come and give a statement, and he was gonna address the press and they were gonna be asking about quid pro quo. I give you these weapons, you give me support in my next election. And so he had to make himself, I shit you not. The reason we have this is because the White House press corps is basically saturated around in terms of camera. And he was walking up to the stage with this pad. And this is just a close up of him standing, getting ready to address them and looking at this pad. Those are these actual speech notes. But you know, it's interesting what you point out there, Rachel, is we shouldn't gloss over this fact that we were, Donald Trump did not want to give the Ukrainians weapons, as you pointed out last week, I think, Eric, unless they supported his investigations into Biden. Um, yeah, um, which is, you know, fast forward a few, <laughs> a few months, and here we are at a war where those weapons could have been very helpful to uh, uh, the Ukrainians. I mean, yeah, but- 
you know, this goes back all the way to 2016 mm. and the and the Cleveland uh, RNC. I think we've talked about this yeah. on at least one other episode of the show here. That's specifically what Paul Manafort got in there and wanted to take out. And uh, right. no shock there. That's uh, something that Putin wanted out because uh, I actually this week I saw a video of the uh, javelin hitting a tank for the first time with all of its um, AI guiding systems. And it just kind of like boop, boop, kind of floats around the battlefield and figures out exactly what it's at looking at. And whoop, bam, um, like spiking a, a volleyball. Those things are neato, man. Yeah. And um, which blade ones? Those are really good, too. Yeah, and the and, and the in laws, I like the in laws as well. Yeah. So um, those are necessary. Yeah. They, you, you, so there's Zelensky a reason that Putin them. didn't want those on the field because uh, yeah. apparently they're very hazardous for tanks. But you know, this was the exchange that Donald Trump was willing to make. So if you're going to be a Donald Trump supporter in the next elections, keep in mind that the kind of thing he will do is stop arming the Ukrainians in exchange for some dirt on his opponent, which is basically what he did back then. Or let the Kurds get slaughtered with the hopes of building a hotel in Turkey. You know, shit like that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Remember that? <laughs> then there was this guy. This was the ambassador. Uh, I guess this was our ambassador to Ukraine. Or Gordon no, Sondland. To, to he loves your ass. Gordon Sondland, <laughs> the guy who was talking to the president in his special outdoor cafe skiff. Yeah, he was actually oh, the, yes. the ambassador okay. to and the EU or NATO or something. EU. He was the ambassador to oh, the EU. EU. The ambassadors in Ukraine weren't doing their job, as you remember, because they were going to go through some things. So in came the EU ambassador, a friend of Donald Trump's, who's also a billionaire, owns hotel chain or whatever it is that he owned. And he was the one who's, um, Zelensky loves your ass, as you might recall. That was the comment there. And they had that really inappropriate conversation in that patio, as you point out. So there's a lot going on in this, uh, in the history of Ukraine and Donald Trump. But before I leave it, I should just mention a couple more. There's this fellow, Pavel Fuchs. I'm going to, just put up him in, in full screen here because you want to see these guys are very close. They're business partners. He, he wanted to build Trump's Moscow Tower, the famed Moscow Tower that he was going to build. That was Pavel Fuchs who was arranging it. He's a Ukrainian mobster, but he seems to be very good friends with Vladimir Putin and, you know, lives in Kharkiv as far as we can tell. He and this other dude, Ihor Kolomoisky, bad guys, bad dudes all around. You know, not everything that comes out of Ukraine is very good. But also we should mention that Kolomoisky is very tied to none other than Rudy Giuliani. And you remember Rudy Giuliani had a bit of a fetish for all things Ukraine because that was his thing. It was to, to hang out with the Ukrainian mob and get money from them. So, you know, there's a lot of GOP up in the Ukraine business going on. Well, let's not forget that a sizable proportion of uh, the Russian mob are Ukrainians. Right. And a fair amount of them have Israeli passports too. So this gets pretty complicated pretty quick. Yes. You know, so that's so good and, that and, they passed the, the Israelis are backing the sanctions. Um, yeah. I mean, and they, they, I think they had to pause and think about it there because, you know, their banks don't have some of the same uh, know your customer laws that ours do. Depending. They don't, do they? they don't. Complicated stuff, all this. Yeah. And, you know, I, look, I love to see the support for Ukraine, but I, the one thing I want to caution people as they look at this news story is, uh, you know, the assumption, oh, well, this is just this democracy. It's just being held back by a few people. Well, Not it's quite. more under the sway of mob bosses, you know, and there are the people like most people who live under mob bosses, you know, ask uh, several people in several states in this country. You know, if you have a mobbed up government, that's not your fault. And you may want the rule of law. In, now, it's interesting. In, we point out that's- in the United States, there are people that feel that way right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kolomoisky, by the way, who was a backer of Vladimir Zelensky, apparently they had a mm-hmm. falling out in January. So apparently the reason that Zelensky sort of become his own man in recent months is because Ihor and him are no longer together. Now, that is internet rumor. I haven't confirmed it, but it would be interesting to see what their relationship is still because it would be kind of disappointing if Zelensky was still beholden to well, Mr. Kolomoisky. Kolomoisky, when not, you know, laundering money to buy Cleveland and parts of uh, Louisville, apparently owning the hotel that the GOP had their RNC 2016 event in, he owned the media network that brought Zelensky to popular acclaim and uh, in Ukraine. And what I, I look, since this is a Friday show and we're about the, the lighthearted stuff, I think it's kind of cool that Netflix is um, is running episodes of that show to kind of give everybody a, a feel. And I remember the one scene that I, I saw, which was Angela Merkel calls him up as, of course, for those of you who don't know the premise of Zelensky's television show, he was like a high school 
teacher who gets made president and really and tries to find his way. And so Angela Merkel calls him up and says, we would like to welcome you to the European Union. And he's like, fuck yeah. And then she goes, oh, I'm sorry. We thought you, this was Montenegro. I got that clip somewhere. I got to find that. I might play it if I can That's find it. That's awesome, dude. It's very funny. And, and he's got great comic timing. And, um, Does he? I know, have to check this I mean, out, man. He just made my life richer. I didn't even know this existed, dude. Oh, he's yeah. a very good no, actor. It was, I mean, he, it was like a more wholesome version of, you know, so Trump was a fake CEO that everyone, that NBC was pretending was a real CEO. Then uh, this is, what, so we didn't see this coming, but Ihor Kolomoyskis has backed a more real and more honest political process here because Zelensky played a fake president on television. Everyone knew he was an actor and not really president. And then he ran for president and he made president. Whereas in America, we pretend somebody is a billionaire who's actually zillions of dollars in debt to China, Russia, and, uh, you know, the, you know, Genghis let's Khan. be clear about this. I mean, you know, a lot of being a president is acting. I mean, it's sort of a good skill to have. A lot of the time they're putting on a putting on a good I mean, show. here's what we don't want to accept is that like, you know, the last thing we would want in 24 is for the Republicans to run another celebrity. Dude. <laughs> I mean, not to take anything from Ron DeSantis. He's actually overperforming in terms of name ID salience oh, right now for the 24 nomination over where you would expect him to be normally. But at the end of the day, Donald Trump got the presidency because he was a celebrity. If you take that away and add, you know, all the other stuff is constant, it doesn't happen. And well, uh, it was eleven years of, of propaganda. America would absolutely vote for Arnold Schwarzenegger or any other A-lister as president. You mean who, somebody who is successful at their given profession? <laughs> yeah, we could at least try that, right? Like we, like you know, instead of it being a uh, what's that guy? With the uh, the crazy hair, and he's always drunk. The actor, the blonde guy, oh Boris Johnson. Gosh. And he's always <laughs> yeah. It could be a lot of people. Boris Johnson. Uh, That's who I was trying to think of. A rhesus monkey missing a lobe of his brain could have done better than Trump. This yeah. is not really up. Yeah, for really, I mean, really, the bar. The rhesus monkey low. wouldn't have been in debt and feeling guilty all the time. Yeah. It's true. I, and, I mean, you know, I almost feel bad when Jordan, when people mention Boris Johnson in the same breath as Trump, because it is true. Like, you know, Boris Johnson totally uh, the UK with Brexit and blah, blah. And he is boorish and he is the kind of guy who would have a, a party during COVID lockdowns and all the other shit that Boris Johnson is definitely guilty of. But at the end of the day, like he is a thousand percent smarter than Donald Trump, <laughs> a thousand percent at least. I mean, and uh, you don't have to worry about the Russian connections like this. It's not hidden. You know, Sperbank has its office across from the London Stock Exchange. They take the sons of KGB officers and elevate them to the peerage. They take their cash openly. It's all out there. If you have a question, you know how to vote. I'm going to show you a couple more pictures because they're just so damn good. Um, Rudy Giuliani here with, uh, is this Parnas and Furman, right? The Fruman. He's where he's friends from Ukraine. Um, oh, yeah, love Remember knows. the fraud guarantee or whatever it was? I think it was fraud guarantee was the name of the company. They were basically buying influence Which one's through, Lev, though, uh, Zev? Do you yeah. remember? Sorry, say that again? Which one of those guys was named Lev? Remember when his attorney's yeah. like, Lev, Lev knows. I think it's this Lev guy Parnas. on the, uh, let me get the picture back up here. I'll show it to you. I think Lev is, yeah. is in the front of this picture hey, here. He's smoking on the, the cigar. Left. Because that's what yeah. it does. Oh, okay. It's Levin, that's yeah, Levin exactly. Igor. Now, this is a big week because they revealed the name. Muryavev is the Russian oligarch who they were running their straw donor scheme for. That guy oh. got indicted. He got added to their thing. So all the four of them are all, uh, I believe they're all convicted, if not pleaded out. And now they revealed, oh, yeah, that was this oligarch's money that went to California, Nevada, New York, I was honestly surprised not to see Missouri since they did marijuana. There's so much marijuana stuff here. Maybe it's a different group of folks. Maybe it's nobody at all. It's, Just you know, that there's there. always a mobster involved. That's a nice picture of, of the former president as well with Lev and Igor and uh, Giuliani, the head of the Ukrainian mob, I think, at least in America. <laughs> you know, this is what we're dealing with here. One more, one more picture, because I love the GOP in the Ukraine. It's a good history. Here's Rick Perry when he, and look how uncomfortable Zelensky looks over here, because this is when Rick Perry went over there with a bunch of really wealthy uh, American businessmen to basically buy out their natural gas supply and uh, 
this guy with a crazy hair at the back, he gray, long hair and the beard. He's a Republican GOP investor type. And they went over there to try and basically buy out all the natural gas, make the place even more corrupt than it was. And uh, there's Ambassador, um, oh, I forget her name now, but- uh, Maria Yovanovitch. Yovanovitch, uh, whose book is just out. Uh, there she is having to deal with all these people, stopping the corruption and then getting- Bad things done to her, as they said. So, um, wasn't it too that that Perry was sent in Trump's steed because Trump withheld the his personal visit because Zelensky didn't? I think so. Toe the line on I the extortion so. deal. Don't, the visit don't, would have been Zelensky coming things? to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? That would be Zelensky hat. coming to the. No, but I think he wouldn't go as well. I think. Oh, Pence. They pulled Pence. Pence was meant ah, to go there. Pence. And, okay. Uh, All right. And then they decided. Well, there's to the Pence. star power. Yeah, I mean that'll ruin your whole week. <laughs> Yeah, well, get that, rumor has that it Pence is out there. Pence is uh, is thinking of a run, and apparently he's been having conversations in. He ought um, to start running in Israel. Apparently, I mean, it's so is Andrew with- Cuomo, right? Like, I don't yes. know if you guys saw that. I'm like, what's who the f- is around these men, man? Someone's got to tell these people the motherfucking truth, right? Like, <laughs> how echo chamber do you have to be to be Andrew Cuomo right now? I think you know what. It, I'm going to go and enter the Democratic primary. But why is he going to do that against Biden? I mean, that's insane. That's just insane. No, no. The Democratic primary for no, the governorship governor. oh, okay. of New York. Oh, oh, that I can see him doing. I could see him trying to pull that off again. I mean, he's that kind of crazy. He's that kind of I mean, He should check I don't out. do he political ads, but if I did, I would just. Down here in Virginia and see how that went for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this isn't the this... Republican Party. <laughs> Cinema is meant to consider a run for presidency as well. Apparently, that's what she's up doing all the time. So who knows if we'll have a completely uncontested Democratic primary this year. Let's talk a little bit about DeSantis and Trump because, boy, oh boy, I'm a little concerned. The love affair with DeSantis, even amongst the so-called left-leaning press, is a little much. You know, they're glamorizing him as some sort of intellectual, I guess, is what they're describing him as, as the intelligentsia of the conservative movement. I mean, this is nothing, this is not what he is. He's a corrupt, indecent man who's pushing Nazi-type rules in Florida. Tell us about what's going on with him and why he's such a rising superpower, Rachel. Yeah, so, you know, within the Trump world, like the MAGA, active Republican, card-carrying, still fucking trying to elect these people world, There is no doubt in my mind that there's a very small and increasingly small-ish contingent that believes Donald Trump is viable, right? And they're definitely grooming. DeSantis is both grooming himself, and I mean quite that literally. He's adopted Trump's like frumpy look, and he's trained his hands to do all of Trump's little things, and he's you know even affecting his voice. I mean, it's really crazy, but it's very shrewd. And a lot of people see DeSantis as the guy that will go in there and dismantle the Justice Department, weaponize it against our opponents, we'll do shit like that, but will do so in a controlled, sane, media-acceptable way. And what's really good about it, though, is this. DeSantis and Trump, like one man enter, two men enter, one man leave, right? I mean, it's just a fucking fact. And Trump's not a person that... What, he's never been threatened for dominance for the Republican Party, and now he is, and he knows he is. I was just tweeting yesterday, uh, you know, in the far right, they're, they're already talking about how much better DeSantis is than Trump on all these most fascist, important elements to them, right? <laughs> like the ability to suspend law and declare martial law and, you know, round people up and shit like that, right? That's the shit that they want. And they are definitely adding their voices to let other voters know that the buck should be passed to DeSantis. So DeSantis is twice as dangerous as Trump because he's going to be coming into a system that is already destroyed, essentially. We've got Twiddledum and Twiddledee on the left who think, oh, well, you know, the rule of law, the rule of law, the law will protect us, the Constitution will protect us. And it's like they've never examined a society that has collapsed from democracy into some other form because the first fucking thing that happens is the law gets suspended, right? Right. Or it gets overridden, right? And to rely on it in the long term, any plan that has Republicans in control and administering a fair rule of law system under these conditions is just unicorn dust. And DeSantis is extremely dangerous in that regard. 
which brings me back to this idea of he can't be in favor of the Ukrainians who are pro-democracy and still be pro-GOP. I mean, these things are not, they just don't exist in the same universe. I mean, the kind of laws that DeSantis is trying to introduce in Florida are draconian at best, but they're also, you know, they're laws to investigate voter fraud when there isn't any voter fraud and they, they have a whole new police force to investigate the voter fraud because they want to manufacture the voter fraud. It's, there's the don't say gay laws. There's the anti, um, what is it called? The, what is the, the THC? THC is not that. What is it called? The racial something theory. Race, I'm sorry, what? The, the race These something guys? theory. What is it called again? Oh, critical. Yeah. Race, but, critical those race are, theory. Those, those are, by the way, I really need to make this point, guys, yeah. because we, you know, we're sitting here 20 years at least after ALEC, L-E-L-E. ALEC, American Legislative Exchange Council, really got humming. And what that does is it creates model legislation and then they introduce, so people think the Republicans are incompetent and they're not getting any government done, where they're getting a shit ton done in places where they have full control. And right. that, and what they're doing is CRT bans, laws that are allowing child protective services to investigate you for child abuse if you accept your gay child or your trans child, right? They're using, literally weaponizing the government to come after you for political purposes. It is supposedly the antithesis of conservative orthodoxy. Just to be clear, they're saying that if you are a parent of a transgender child, they can send child protection services and take your child away. Yes. Um, because you've yeah. been so a- you have two choices. You can deny your kid who they are and you can let them get destroyed emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the suicide rates for trans youth, it's just, it's, right. Super. you know, or you can risk a neighbor, a friend, a teacher, a relative, your Trump uncle, calling CPS and sicking C I mean, imagine the trauma that these poor kids and these families are going to go through under that. And it's, again, it is weaponizing control of the state mm -hmm. to turn the state into a weapon for political purpose. That's what that is. And we should really make sure we keep the focus on the appropriateness or not of that kind of role of government in a democratic society. You know who does that? Vladimir Putin does that. You know who's pushing all yeah. this anti-gay agenda. So, you know, you just can't be pro-Ukraine and pro-GOP at the same time. You just can't do it. Eric, what do you think of DeSantis? Do you think he's going to have a, a real go of it here? You know that part of the world. No, I think he's the Russian mob backup plan because the Russian mob uh, doesn't own every place on Earth and it doesn't own every single corner of the GOP either. There's other, you know, foreign elements in there, but they own Florida. <laughs> they own Florida, sure Florida, they own that's for sure. uh, Moscow. And look, their last asset, Donald Trump's on the way out one way or the other. And, you know, DeSantis is the backup. And so there he's being, you know, pitched as part of the horse races being the backup. But something tells me that DeSantis might not make it all the way to the dance in 2024. I, I imagine we'll find some dirt on him by then. I don't know. He seems like he's got well, I feel dirt. like we're talking past the sale with a lot of the individual <laughs> problems of GOP policymaking. These guys back a violent coup d'etat against a democratic government. And until the people behind that have gone to prison after being tried yeah. in a fair judicial system, I really don't have much else to discuss. You know, I'm in the intelligence community. I'm here for national security. I'm not partisan. I don't want to be, you know, and I don't want to frame things as partisan, but here's the deal. There's one group that backed a violent coup d'etat and there's one group that didn't and that's it. Everything else is frosting on the birthday hot dog there. Were you surprised as and, I was to Eric, see? Of course, it's not, it's not just that it was a thing that happened. It's that it's a continued thing that they tried to block the investigation of to cover up their own crimes and intend, I have no doubt, they intend if they take control of the federal government. I mean, look at the abuse of the pardon system under Trump. It's so astounding. Even if that was the only thing you ever knew about the Trump administration, it is disqualifying, impeachment-worthy, prison-worthy shit, right? Yeah. And I am operating under the belief that if they take control of the federal judicial branch, they will vacate sentences. They will, you'll see Bill Barr in court defending January 6th insurrectionist and shit, dude. It ain't going to be pretty, guys. Well, that commission is going to be the first thing they get rid of. I mean, they're not interested in this commission actually ever giving its findings. But you're right. Why is there um, an investigation still underway? We found out today into Hunter Biden and not an investigation underway into Roger Stone. I just don't understand. 
how, hold on. There's a, a cubic quintillion of investigations in Roger Stone for 40 minutes. It's just they, they put up, look, Hunter Biden has been doing business with folks all over the world. Not all of them, especially clean characters. There may be reasons behind that. Oh, it's fine. But that yeah. don't mean that Roger Stone ain't under investigation. Did you uh -huh. guys not see the uh, Danish film crew that they had following around? where it was on January 6th, like, and I thought, why would you do that? Why would you want court admissible evidence? Unless you're going to win, and then you want to build the myth-making around that, which is a hell of a gamble, because now we have video of these assholes. There's a great the day of leaving town and in a hurry. <laughs> two big things happen. Like, oh, we got to get out of here. That's yeah. <laughs> really, really what it was. Two big things happen on January 6th, in addition to the um, violent coup d'etat attempt. Of course, Georgia elected two... Democrats, a black guy and a Jewish guy, and they put up Merrick Garland's name for attorney general. And Roger Stone is on that video from the Danish film crew saying, oh, God, it's Merrick Garland. Oh, oh, that's going to be bad. <laughs> like, he knew. Like, oh, you mean the guy that they screwed out of the, uh, you know, the guy who prosecuted the domestic terrorism in Oklahoma City? You mean That's that right, Mayor Garland? You mean the Mayor Garland they were going to put on the Supreme Court? Garland, right? Yeah, no shit. Like, that's, I mean, I, you know, people who don't understand how DOJ works, especially in this case, Eric, and I'm interested in your thoughts in this too, because you probably do follow a lot of the federal docket and understand the general norms of it. So, you know, yes, it is normally impossible for us not to know when a federal investigation is going on. But what we are like looking at for Garland, his decision calculus requires him to, and I don't, I disagree with this norm, but it's a norm that we don't go backwards and prosecute other political, especially presidents for behavior, right? He has to cross that norm. And I am fervently believe that if he fails to do that, we're already sunk. It doesn't even matter because if you have no rule of law, you have nothing. So he has to do it. And my assumption is that they're trying to keep that hidden by allowing the select committee kind of to be the forward facing grand jury component of the investigation. And so I was kind of hearing, like to hear your thoughts on that. Sure, the structure there, you know, the FBI and grand jury stuff is gonna be secret by nature and rightly so, because you don't want people destroying evidence or intimidating witnesses or any of that. So that's gonna be behind the scenes. This is so important. And, you know, Merrick Garland and others have described this not only as the largest investigation in DOJ history, the most complex investigation in DOJ history, but Merrick Garland said just last week, the most urgent. So nobody is taking this unseriously, especially not that man and not his very, very capable lieutenants. Thank you very much. Um, now, the role the of the January 6th, further to what you just said, Rachel, the role of the January 6th committee is very particular because it is forward-facing. They cannot bring criminal charges. They may make observations as they did, what, 10, 11, 12 days ago, that which was in the, uh, in the Central District of California with John C. Eastman, who was looking to keep his emails from his employer because when you commit treason, definitely use your work computer, people. Call <laughs> it up, Zach. <laughs> um, he was trying to like, hold on. That's my, I'm an attorney. I get attorney trader privilege at my workplace, <laughs> which is funded by Cal. Uh, says he can't even. Yeah. Which is a public university. <laughs> right, public university, Chapman university. So the, you know, Benny Thompson at Al, the January 6th committee full of attorneys, full of prosecutors like Adam Schiff, who've put away espionage cases come out and go, Oh, we'll allow us to retort. Actually, that's not privileged. Here's why crime fraud exception. And they came right out. And with saying that we've seen enough to believe, and we believe that if you review this, your honor in camera, in chambers, you too will agree that he doesn't get any attorney privilege. He shouldn't anyhow, there's no underlying litigation. So that's done. But he especially shouldn't because this crosses the crime fraud exception. So if you're an attorney and your client is in the active commission of crimes and frauds, you do not get privilege. In fact, you are ethically required to report that, which Mr. Eastman seems not to have since he was, he's a federal society guy, <laughs> his eyebrows and this treason stuff. And the Jan 6 committee said, oh, you want to play that game? Well, here's a court pleading saying Interesting. crime fraud based on you, Mr. Eastman, and Mr. Trump. 
And you'd think so too, Your Honor. And you don't have to do this in front of God and everyone. It doesn't have to be an open hearing. You can do it in chambers secretly. But you'll agree with us because we've seen enough to know Donald Trump committed crimes. And that was like, oh, yeah. And, And especially since they only have subpoena power. They don't have the ability to get a Title III intercept. Yeah. The FBI, and for those at home playing along, you know, a subpoena is something that, you know, issues after they send letters and they say, pretty pleased with sugar on top because they are the Congress. And you get to situations like Steve Bannon, where he's so contemptuous of Congress that they hit him with a criminal contempt charge. But that takes a while and you have to put it before another grand jury. Because the way they can collect is public and they can do it through subpoenas and letters of request and all this. The FBI is not so constrained. They can have a private, a secret investigation. They go lawfully to a court and they get a Title III warrant for everything to, you know, searching through your bank records, your apartment, your phone uh, contents, who you've WhatsApped. And you don't find out about that until you get hit with a grand jury. Right, right, right. right. So to Rachel's point here, the role that the Jan 6 committee has done is publicly, they're able to go out and go, hey, guys, look what we found, the slow, you know, very shallow way. Like, if you know the difference in what these two, you know, institutions can get for information, and they're like, hey, guys, we basically just say pretty please to all the people you've heard about. And don't do anything in the back room. And we think that there are criminal charges. I think there's no way that the FBI, U.S. Attorney's offices, dogs are hungry for indictment. Let me ask you a question here then about all of this. Do you think that they've, the fact that we're at war essentially with Vladimir Putin is playing a a role in whether we're proceeding with the charges against his man here in the United States, Donald Trump? One of his men. Huh? One, One of, of his, his men, yeah. Bad. I mean, I would think that that might be a factor. I don't know. Remind me of your dog's Hamilton. name again. Hamilton. Go Is that his down. name? Hey! Hammy! Hammy! How are you, Hammy? Lay down! Ginsburg, lay down! <laughs> <laughs> Love your dog. I give Love out your dog. big growl. So do you think there's, a, there's anything in that, um, that Putin might be a factor in the charging of Donald Trump and company because they're, you know, we're at war with a guy. Maybe we don't want to give him extra reason to be upset. Uh, we, we've been at war with them for 20 years. Yeah, we have been. They, I mean, we, they've they said we're the main adversary. They've kept it up. So, and we certainly. I was going to mention I mean, something else that we have in our back pocket that, uh, remember this guy? He was kind of a big deal during the Trump years. Kanushin was his name. Remember him? Rupert has it that we have him in custody. This is him and Vladimir Putin on a different day where they sent a, they made a cake for Donald Trump. So subtle. So subtle. Oh my God. America great again. Apparently the dude's in custody. <laughs> in American custody, he's very good friends. What did he do? Vladimir Just being a Putin. douche on Twitter? What were the crimes? Uh, he was involved in some sort of fraudulent scheme to defraud well, okay. um, <laughs> companies because they were running up, I don't know, they are running up some okay. fake. It was a, like a, he did uh, a, a Russian Putin-y yeah. guy thing. And then yeah, he decided I mean, to come to America. <laughs> He came to America. Right, I got like, to You're bottom barreling at that, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I got to tell you, this guy is really close to Vladimir Putin. The fact that he, we have him in jail must be a really painful thing for Vladimir Putin. And also this guy's very knowledgeable because he knows exactly the back work, you know, the entire working of the entire disinformation effort. Us in 2016, he was involved in. So interesting, just worth... I know. I came across that picture with that cake, and I thought I might as well show it to everybody because why not? Okay, and no, no for day, twenty fifteen. Say that again. I, I missed said, what you said. Now I'm pro torture. You know, I'm totally <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> it is. It is twenty fifteen. It is. Sorry, you're absolutely right. Thirtieth August twenty fifteen. Can you believe that? You know, I saved this photo way back when, and then I was like, oh, I couldn't find it for a long time, and suddenly I got my computer back today, and it showed up. I was like, where did this come from? So there you go. They telegraphed their moves there. They, they were not, not uh, at all subtle. And you know, Kalushin's account was always not very subtle. It's always been a, oh, Hammy, how are it's you? It's Hammy. Oh, we like Hammy. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can do it this way. I can show Hammy on the big screen. Hello. Hey, Hammy. What's up? Hi, Hammy. Hey, he says, so, hey, guys. He definitely wants some attention. Mommy back. <laughs> you, can, you can have Hammy her back in just a few minutes. We're just going to play one more game. We're going to play Name That Yacht. 
Um, Ooh, fun. <laughs> I don't actually know the names of these yachts. I, I bet Eric's going to kick our asses on this. Dude. I, I bet you will. I might. There's two of you here. Hang on. Where's my yacht pictures? Oh, my gosh. I, uh, I can see Eric's gunning for that shit, too. I, I always like another like person that loves competition, Eric. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't oh, know the, the names one. of these nuts. That's, I'm, the, I'm, that's the Dirt Mall one. He got that dirt. at a flea market. Yeah. That's a... <laughs> That's the Lady M from Alexei Morashev. Crew of 14, six guest cabins, $27 million. Am I right? $27 million. Wow. That's not bad. I think you're right. I mean, I've, I've only got the photos. I've got no names in them. This looks oh, like I mean, incredible. This is a fortress. Like knows, dude. This is a fortress. <laughs> yeah. I, I know about their slot machines. I know about their... Keep, keep them coming. How, uh, oh, sorry. You guys said that. Sorry. Nothing's uh, right uh, this, in my, my weekend. Oh, that's the big one. It's big, indeed. What the hell's going That's on? That's the big one. That's uh, the SYA, the sailing yacht A from Andrei Melnichenko, $440 million. Those are the tallest masts in the world, 469 feet, eight decks. It has multiple elevators. And now we get Multiple elevators? Four. How many floors does it multiple have? Multiple elevators. So um, is it a yacht sailboat? Is that what that is? It's like a floating fortress. It's It'll a work. military it installation. Is. It's a floating human trafficking device. Yeah. The tallest in the world. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen that before. It's like it's got the sails, you know? So yeah. it's like, you it, know. It parody- Somebody's compensating for something on that ship. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little compensation going on. All these yachts are a little girls all say he wishes. Who's this? What's this yacht? Uh, is that the Valerie? I think it could be Chemizov? the Valerie. I think it could be the Valerie. Damn, Eric, I'm impressed. 279 dude. feet, 140 million, I think. 140 million for that? Are you serious? Why? Have either of you guys ever been on a yacht? I've been on a yacht. I've never been on a yacht that looks like that. <laughs> but you've been on a yacht. That's cool. I've never been on a yacht. Uh, I've been on a, like a smallish yacht, not on a not on this thing. This thing. I want to be on a former Russian oligarchs yacht i want to <laughs> have a big ass party on that thing well dude. It'll be we awesome. should send it to ukraine and people can live yeah. on them while we that, uh, they really should that's what exactly i think that they should do I think they should take yeah. all these yachts and turn them into refugee housing <laughs> i think so i mean why not i mean this what else are we got to yeah. do with these things and you know certainly the ukrainians should take full advantage of them so what's this one Hmm, how many cabins we got there? Is that Igor Sechins? Is that the Amore Vero? I'm sorry, you know, this is actually the Valerie. I got it wrong. The previous one was the Amore, Amore Vero. Oh, okay, is, that was uh, Igor Sessions. So, uh, and, and this, that okay, was they were within 10 feet of each other. 278, is, yeah, 279, yeah. and 289. So, this is Sergei Chemezov's Valerie. So, he's the uh, he's former KGB officer because that's how you roll when you're a former KGB officer. Well, um, I'm going to call it the teeny weeny, and it's a double <laughs> entendre. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's one last one. I don't know who does this, who owns this yacht here. This is the Lady M, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. We got a little bit wrong. Okay, here. I actually do like that one. I mean, as far as these things go. Yeah. This is I mean, Alex- for Alexei me, like the, the thing that, that matters the most is that top front deck. I mean, it's got to just have, you know, I want a really nice patio space up there if I'm going to be cutting through the waves. Oh, yeah. You really are imagining your life as a Russian oligarch, aren't you? wouldn't it be nice to spend a day as a russian oligarch well they no longer have their yachts even some of their planes have gone the canadians have impounded one of their giant russian cargo planes and it's being used now in the service of the ukrainian army to ferry gear and survival stuff to the ukrainian army so if that's a trend maybe they can do the same thing with their yachts seems like a good thing to do we're out of time but we should remind everyone at the end of the show that if you can't be in favor of the Ukrainians and the GOP at the same time, they don't make any sense. That's my, nope. that's my thinking. Rachel, give us some last thoughts and uh, where people can find you. Oh, we've got to pay your ad. Yeah, I mean, last thoughts for the week. You know, here we are we're on week three of the Ukraine invasion, Russia. You know, here's the good news. I want to leave on a positive note, so I'm going to tell you guys this. I've been studying a shit ton of military strategy too, by the way. Anyway. They have deployed their entire force that was gathered to go into Ukraine now. And of that force, they are sustained a casualty rate of around 10%. And the reason why that's significant is that once you lose about 10% of your troops, 
your mission starts to become compromised. You start to lose core elements to cohes troop troop motivation, cohesiveness, all kinds of shit. And if we can keep uh, President Z in China from assisting Russia, we might be able to burn these motherfuckers out. Oh, I forgot to mention that was a big deal today. That uh, Biden G yeah. phone call was a big deal, and I think it came out pretty much in Biden's favor. I don't think we heard yeah. from the Chinese that they were going to be you know, in support of this Russian war effort at all. In fact, it seemed like they were looking towards peace and enlightenment in the world, which is not, I'm sure, what they planned in yeah. doing at this time. But, but it's good news. Well done and well played. Two-hour call, too, Zev. Two so, hours him and Biden yeah. were on the phone. Well, can you so. imagine being on the phone with the chief for two hours? It'd be suicidal at the end of it. But... Uh, <laughs> It's not like you're talking to Trump, though. It's not like I'm talking to you guys. So I think that was a really big deal today. I think, you know, Putin cannot be any more isolated than he is today. And apparently he was on his way to Beijing for a meeting with Xi and then turned around halfway, uh, halfway to there. Yeah, so, that was Lavrov was oh, halfway. Lavrov. Okay. It's interesting, yeah. you know, if uh, he left the on. That was on. today? That was, that was yesterday. Who knows? Today, Putin did a giant rally, okay. which you know he's in trouble because he can't stand being around people because of COVID. It's going to so make a great ad, though, because so now you can take Putin rally and Trump rally footage yeah. and mix it together. It's seamless. And boom. It's seamless. You know? It's the same thing. The same uh, design set. Yeah. Same set design. I mean, if, you, and, if you're uh, asking for an optic to make it easy, because you got to make it easy. So, like, we can understand democracy, autocracy, right. but we got to teach the public that if we want to use it. There's uh-huh. nothing better than that footage from Putin. I mean, I just, it was such a gift. That is really good. And you know, the Democrats need to define a different version of that. So we don't have the same look and feel for our rallies, because I think that now is beginning to feel like the a Hitler style rally. Mr. Garland, final thoughts from you. Uh, you know, I agree. We should not invite uh, Margarita Simoyan from uh, Russia today on any American political rallies. I'm with you. Have a great weekend. Love that. And that's the show for tonight. This was fun, guys. I look forward to doing this again with you next week. Thanks for being here. Rachel Bitterkoffer of Strike Pack and Eric Garland, intelligence analyst extraordinaire. And also your podcast is available on your Patreon, which people should check out, right, yeah, Eric? And on, on Apple and uh, Spotify, our new episode dropped this evening. So Game Theory today. Theory What's today on podcast. that? What's on there today? What are you talking about? Let's see. The uh, the big stories were um, us seizing the yachts, so that's where I knew some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. From the GOP congressman going on trial for taking illegal campaign donations from a suspected Hezbollah financier and the insurrectionist from Washington who decided he was going to uh, adopt children in Ukraine uh, through a for-profit Florida corporation. So That's a really interesting story. What, a, what an interesting lineup you had there. So everyone should check out Game Theory today with Eric Garland. It's on your app. Yep. Apple podcast player or wherever you get your podcast. And that's yep. the show for tonight. Thanks for being here and have a great weekend, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative.